You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Deuteronomy 31, 9 through 13. I want to preach on the subject this morning, the recipe for success. Recipe for success. Now, I know that some of you here enjoy your time in the kitchen. I know that all of you here enjoy your time at the dinner table. Everybody enjoys the consumption of food, but some people really enjoy the preparation of food. So for all of you who love to cook, raise your hand. If, whoa, 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 okay, yes, you love to cook. That was quick. Raise your hand if you have an old recipe that has been passed down to you from a previous generation. Raise your hand. Wow, okay, all right. Miss Abby, would you mind what, what recipe is it, what meal is it for? Mexican rice. Now, from what I understand, Brother George's mom passed down the recipe for your Mexican rice we had yesterday, right? Very good. Brother Dusty, what was yours for? See, what, what was it? Tea cakes. Okay. Miss Edie, what was yours? Sauerkraut and spare ribs. Wow. Good, good. Okay. Many more of you have that recipe that's been passed down. Maybe it's on a loose leaf sheet of paper and everything's kind of fading as far as the, the writing is concerned. Those are the good ones, right? My mom was passed down my grandmother's Korean barbecue, bulgogi recipe. And don't you change that, right? You don't change those recipes. Nobody messes with those. In fact, if your house were to catch on fire, you would probably save that before you saved your children, <laughs> if you were honest with yourself. No, 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 we have to save the sauerkraut and spare ribs, right? Otherwise, I won't know how to, won't know how to. And even though you know how to make it, even though you've made it so many times, you still bring out that loose leaf sheet of paper and you put it up somewhere. We don't use iPads for old, good recipes. You'll never find an old, good recipe on an iPad. No, sir. It's going to be on a loose-leaf sheet of paper. They're classic. They're timeless. They work. So don't fix what's not broken. People knew how to season back then. People knew how to put something in a pot and just be patient. Just let the flavors get to know each other. Now you just go to a, a speaker and say, I want this and I want it now. And they put it in Chef Mike and press a couple buttons. Right, Mia? That's exactly what happens. You know what it is. <laughs> put it in Chef Mike. Bing, 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 bing. Mm, ding. There you go. Number six from Wendy's. Done. Not back in the day. Not with the good old recipes. So today I want to share with you an ancient recipe. Not for a meal, but for success. Not for physical success or financial success or material success but spiritual success. Following this recipe doesn't guarantee riches, but it does guarantee blessing. It doesn't guarantee exemption from trials, but it does bring peace in the trials. Uh, it may not bring success as far as the world would use that term, but it brings true success as far as God uses that term. See, success is not determined by your net worth. Success is not determined by the amount of things that you possess. It is not determined by the amount of people that you influence. True success 
is simply found in doing what God tells you to do every day. Let's not overcomplicate it. That's all it is. When we do what God tells us to do in his word, not man's opinion of it, not our special interpretation of what the Bible says, but what God's word says, period. How can we be anything but successful? Truly successful. Verse 12, gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. Find any spiritually successful person, both young and old, and I guarantee you they're following that recipe right there. It's a simple recipe to understand. Hear, learn, fear, do. That's simple. But it's not always easy to follow. Simple things are not always easy things. But when it is followed, it brings spiritual success. And like all the old recipes we talked about, this has been passed down. God passed it down to Moses. Moses passed it to Joshua. Joshua passed it to the people of Israel. Now the people got away from the recipe for a long time. It took hundreds and hundreds of years of prophets and reminding them of the law. And then it ended up taking 70 years in a Babylonian captivity. And then still, they weren't following the recipe. Years later, Jesus comes. 400 years, some 400 years after the Babylonian captivity, Jesus comes and he reminds them that the recipe hasn't changed. Matthew 7, 24, 25, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon that house. That sounds like trials to me. That sounds like times of distress. That sounds like valleys as well as mountains. That sounds like storms and stress. But even though those things happen, it stood. It fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Because following this recipe brings success. James, Jesus' half-brother, passed down this recipe as well. He said, but be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. So if we wish to see spiritual success in our lives, in our families, in our church, in our country, in our world, we need to follow this recipe. And just like any other recipe, it not only has ingredients that are involved, but there's a logical order. In the age-old recipe of rabbit stew, step one, catch a rabbit. So what is step one of this recipe for success? We see it in verse 11 and 12. When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates. Step one that they may hear. Hearing is step one. Or could we not stop here and consider the grace and mercy of God that has been bestowed upon you and I to give us the opportunity to hear what millions of people have never heard. There are millions of people in this world who have never held God's word in their hand. 
millions of people in this world who have never heard the name Jesus. People who have no knowledge of God other than the knowledge that is revealed to them in creation. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. But even those people, Romans chapter 1 says, even those people who have no knowledge of God other than what creation has revealed to them, even those people are without excuse if they do not glorify God for what he has revealed to them. How much more, how much more must we be thankful? How much more should we be grateful and humbled? How much more should we see the responsibility that has fallen upon us? That God has given us the opportunity to hear his word in such a tangible way and in such a continual way. For some reason, of all the people in this world, of all the places we could have been born, God placed us here where his word is so common. We live in a city that's named after his son. There's a church on every corner. You would be hard-pressed to find anybody who didn't recognize the words of John 3.16, where, where we live. And how sad it is. How sad it is that there will be people in heaven who heard God's word once and got it. But there will be millions of people in hell who heard God's word over and over and over again and did nothing with it. See, truth doesn't do any good to you unless it's applied to your life. God's word is true whether you like it or not. Truth is truth. You can say, I have my truth and you have yours. No, you have your opinion. And when your opinion doesn't match truth, you can call your opinion all you want. You can call it a theory. You can call it a progressive idea. You know, what the Bible calls it is lies. Because if something isn't truth, it is a lie. If something isn't all true, it is a whole lie. So when we have the truth, aren't we supposed to do something with it? Or is hearing enough? Why are there people who hear God's word constantly but never do anything with it? There are reasons. One of the reasons is because we're sinners and sin makes people foolish. Another reason is this. Wherever God is speaking, Satan is screaming. Wherever there's a still small voice, Satan is yelling. Wherever God is speaking, Satan is distracting. Wherever God is speaking a truth, Satan is nearby speaking a lie. It may be wrapped in truth, but it's a lie. And the question is, who are we going to hear? Who are you listening to? What are you listening to? You have an opportunity to hear the truth this morning. Not because of me, not because of Heritage Baptist Church, but because of Jesus, because of God and what he did. He revealed himself to us in the person of Jesus Christ. If this book could turn into anybody, it would turn into Jesus Christ. He has revealed himself to us. We have an opportunity to hear the truth, or we have just as much opportunity, if not more opportunity, to hear falsehood and to hear something else. So what are we going to hear? 
Are we going to hear truth or are we going to hear lies? Are we going to hear God's word or are we going to hear man's philosophy and man's opinion? Are we going to hear all of God's word, the whole counsel of God, or just the bits and pieces that we like? The recipe for success starts with hearing God's word, but it only starts there. Only starts there. Many people hear God's word, but never do anything with it. They never take the next step. The Bible calls them hearers only. There is a next step. The second step in this recipe, that they may hear, number one, and that they may learn, number two. Hearing, number one. Learning, number two. I have heard plenty of things in my life that I had no desire to learn anything more about. Somebody came up to me and said, Johnny, have I ever told you about my battle with warts? Okay, I now know that so-and-so battles warts, but I have no desire to learn any more about your battle. I'll pray for you. <laughs> the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But those who follow this recipe for success, they, know, they don't only hear God's word. When they hear God's word, they say, tell me more. Tell me more about that. I've spoken to people before, and they say, let me tell you about Jesus. And they say, I don't want to hear anything. No, no. I don't need to know any more about that. And then I have heard, I've heard people. I see people every day when I preach. Every day I preach. There are people who are on the edge of their seat. Tell me more. And there are others who are just off in la-la land, listening to everything else. I know the boss is there whispering in your ear saying, you have a deadline tomorrow. But you know what? I would rather go into Monday spiritually repaired than physically prepared. I need church. I need God. I'd rather miss a physical deadline than miss a spiritual decision. I want God to speak to me. And you have that choice to make. You've heard God's word. Do you want to learn more? And there are people who are going to want to learn more. Those who follow this recipe will have an earnest desire to learn more about God and his word. The song says, I love to tell the story for those who know it best. Seem hungering and thirsting to hear it like the rest. I wish that was true. I wish that was always true. But it seems like many times those who have heard God's word and those who do know what God's word says have no desire to learn anymore. Instead, they spend all their time and they place all their desire in learning about things that matter not a bit in eternity. Not the person who follows this recipe. If it means taking up our cross daily, if it means bearing burdens, if it means walking through the valley of the shadow of death, if it means taking on his yoke, we learn more of him. That is what we desire. Solomon, at one point, devoted his life to learning. Not learning about things that mattered in eternity, but learning about things under heaven, he said. He said, and I came to know knowledge and wisdom more than anybody before me who held my position. And he said this, I perceive that this is also vexation of spirit, for in much wisdom is much grief, and he that increaseth knowledge increaseth sorrow. He's not talking about spiritual knowledge there. 
He's not talking about knowledge of Jesus there. The more I learn about him, the more joy I have. The more I learn about him, the more I want to learn. Many people spend their whole lives learning and learning and learning and learning and learning. And there's a place for education. We shouldn't be dumb. We should know how to carry out a conversation with people. We should know how to be all things to all men so that we might, might, we might by all means save some. We should know how to have that conversation. But there are people who devote their life to learning, 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 never coming to the knowledge of the truth. But those who find spiritual success are those who say, tell me more about him. I don't care about the words of men. I want to learn more about him. Paul said, let God be true and every man a liar. Think about Paul with me. I take that as him saying, I would rather hear one word from God than a thousand from men. Paul, who here wouldn't be counted a spiritual success if you were even half of the Christian that Paul was? If somebody ever came up to you and said, you know, you remind me of Paul. I'd, I'd take that. I'd take that. If someone said, you remind me of Jonah, I'd take that. The guy preached the greatest revival in history. An entire city came to Jesus, came to the truth. Anyways, ask anybody, anywhere who knows the Bible. Name, top, name your top five Christians in history. Paul's going to be on that list. I guarantee you he's going to be on that list. Even before Paul became a Christian, he was an incredible person. His study, his character, his zeal made him one of the leading Pharisees at his time. People followed him. When you think about how Paul described himself before he came to know Jesus, you have to come to the conclusion he had a very tenacious personality. When someone told him, you can't do that, he took that as a challenge. He, he was multi-talented. The man could speak. The man could write. The man could travel. The man could, he, he knew how to talk about all these different things. He knew how to make tents. He knew how to sew. He knew how to work with his hands. He knew how to make a living. He was a multi-talented man. He, he had a brilliant mind. Obviously, the Holy Spirit used him, but he had a brilliant mind. He was a Pharisee. Pharisees for the, he said, not only was I a Pharisee, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. Many Pharisees had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, memorized. He had a brilliant mind. But notice that with me. He knew the law inside and out. He knew it forwards and backwards, yet he didn't know the truth. He knew everything. He spent his days learning the law and the prophets, but he was completely blind to the fact that it all pointed to Jesus. And once he came to know the truth, he says, those things that were gained to me, those things that were gained to me, everything that made me who I was in the past, all of my previous knowledge, my religious zeal, my Jewish tradition, my family heritage, everything, whatever I accomplished in, in this life, whatever I accomplished in the flesh, whatever brought me gain in this world, I counted them but loss, is what he said. And he went even further than that. 
said, I count them but loss, yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. It should resonate with you and me that one of the greatest Christians in history, a Christian who is one of the Christians who knew more about God than 99% of any other Christian will ever know about God, he said, I count all those things but loss that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. The one who knew so much, the one who was caught up to the third heaven at one point and heard unspeakable words that are not lawful for man to utter, that man said, I want to know more about him. Yet many people say, I don't need church. I don't need to read my Bible. I'm happy with my knowledge of God. I don't care to learn anymore. Mark it down. Whenever you hear anybody say, I know about God. I know all there is to know about him. That person knows absolutely nothing about God. Anybody who says, I'm satisfied with how much I know about God is speaking as a fool. Even if we spent every moment of every day for the rest of our life learning everything that we could learn about God, we wouldn't know a half of a percent. Over a thousand lifetimes, we wouldn't know a half of a percent of our great God. Tell me more about him. Can I remind you that John, the beloved apostle, the disciple that Jesus loved, in writing about Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry that didn't go past a radius of 200 miles, three-and-a-half years, John said, if you were to write down everything that Jesus did, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. And yet we think we don't need to learn any more about him. We're going to spend eternity with him, and we don't think we need to know just a little bit more about him. The person who is going to follow this recipe wants to learn more, and that person who will learn more about him, the more they'll want to learn about him. The closer a person grows to God, the more perfect and holy and righteous we find him to be. And that makes us want to learn more about such an incredible heavenly father. There's so much to learn about God and his word. And those who follow this recipe for success will want to learn all they can. There's a hymn writer that said, I, said, I went to the tent of a sick gypsy boy who was dying, and I gave him the gospel, and the boy said, no one ever told me that before. And he wrote a song, tell it again, tell it again. Salvation story, repeat or ignore. The last verse says this, seems like I've heard it more than I can say. Oft times I hear it numerous times in a day. Yet though his story I know through and through, I'll never grow tired of a story so true. Tell it again, tell it again, salvation story, repeat or and or, till none can say of the children of men, nobody ever has told me before. Those who follow this recipe are those who hear and then say, tell me more. Now, what is all that hearing and learning about? What is it for? Is it just so that we can gain knowledge and build up our minds and fill our brains with things to know? Or is there another step in this recipe? And there is, that they may hear and that they may fear or I'm sorry, and learn, and fear 
the Lord your God, step number three. Now here's where I'm going to kind of bring things in and you have to follow or I'm going to lose you. If, we, if what we hear and learn about God is true, if what this Bible says is true, then we have to come to the conclusion that God is extremely interested in how I live my life. God is extremely interested in the decisions that you make in your life. We have to come to the conclusion, if what we hear and learn is true, that how we live our life matters to God, and that we will one day be judged by God himself for what we do in this life. And maybe that's why people don't want to learn anymore. Because the more that they learn, the more they're reminded we are not put on this world to serve ourselves. We are created for his glory and his purpose and his pleasure. And that is why there is no greater life than to serve the Lord. And that is why when we fight against it and follow our own will, there's no more miserable life. Because we're not doing what God's made us to do. But in hearing God's word and learning more about God's word, if we believe that his word is true, that has to lead to fearing God. Now, the fear of the Lord isn't talking about being horrified or terrified of him. No, don't get me wrong. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. But you don't have to fall into his hands. You can run to them. In fact, the Bible says that when you are right with God and when your heart is right with him and when you love him with all your heart, soul, and mind, you have no reason to be terrified of him. First John says, herein is our love made perfect. If we dwell in love, then God dwells in us that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear. So when it's talking about the fear of the Lord, fearing God is talking about reverencing God esteeming God in the way that he is supposed to be esteemed. Proverbs often talks about the fear of the Lord, does it not? The best working definition I can find about the fear of the Lord is this. Fearing the Lord is understanding that God is watching you and your earthly decisions bring divine consequences. That is the fear of the Lord. God is watching you and your earthly decisions bring divine consequences. God is not indifferent to his creation. God did not just set this ball to, to spin in the universe and then not care anymore about it. He's not indifferent to our decisions. He is too holy to leave the decisions of man unchecked. Every earthly decision brings a divine consequence. Isn't that why he gave us his word? So that we can hear what he has to say, so that we can learn what we're supposed to do, so that when we make those decisions, we make decisions that are pleasing to him. That's why he gave us his word in the first place, so that we can know what God tells us to do, so that we can make right choices. Let's approach it another way. When we come to a decision in our life, and we come to them daily, multiple times a day, when we come to a decision in our life, and we know what God's word tells us to do in that scenario, because we've heard it and we've learned about it. When we come to that decision and we know but we refuse to do what it tells us to do. Do we not believe that God sees that? Do we not believe that God is going to hold us accountable 
for going against what his word has told us to do, we better make the decision based on what God tells us to do. We better do what God's word tells us to do because then we can know that our decision was pleasing to him. That's the fear of the Lord. I am facing a decision. What would God have me do? That is a step that has to be taken in order to follow in this recipe because there's plenty of people who have heard God's word and learned more about it but have no fear of the Lord. So they make their own decisions. When those people reach a decision, they know what the right choice is, but they ignore it. And they think that God doesn't care. God does care. And God will judge. And God will hold us accountable. That's why people are going to stand before Jesus someday and say, have we not cast out devils in your name? And have we not done many, many wondrous works in your name? And he'll say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I never knew you. Because they followed their own path. I, see what, I hear what God's word says about eternal life. I'll learn more about it. But I'm not going to trust in that way. I'm going to do it my way. I'll add to Jesus. I'll take away from Jesus. It's Jesus plus Hail Marys. It's Jesus plus confessing to a priest. It's Jesus plus doing this. It's Jesus minus doing this. And by the way, whenever you add to Jesus, you are telling Jesus he's not enough. And whenever you take away from him, you're telling him he's not God. And many times when we take away from him, it is so that we can be put in replacement. What are we doing? No wonder there will be people who say, Lord, I knew about you. I know your name. I heard you. I learned all about you. I did all these things for you but they made the wrong decision. God says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. We have changed that too. For whosoever shall go to church, be baptized as a baby, keep up with the sacraments, do this, do that, do that, do that, do that, then maybe you shall be saved. And we expect that God doesn't see that. Do you realize that is us saying, your son is not enough for me. And we expect God to be okay with that. Oh, but God is love, 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 love. Yes, he is. In that love, he loves his son very dearly. And when somebody rejects his son, people will be held accountable. That's why, I'm, you know, the Bible has a word. The Bible has a word for people who know what they are supposed to do, but don't do it. Foolishness. It is foolish to know what we are supposed to do and then do the other thing. And that's why on the other hand, the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge is head knowledge. Knowledge is what we know. Wisdom is the proper application of that knowledge. Hearing and learning is great. But we can't stop there. When we know what God's word tells us to do, we have to understand that when we don't do it, he sees it and he will one day judge it. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So when you know what you're supposed to do, do it. That they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do. All the words of this law. Hearing, learning, 
fearing, doing. So follow this recipe with me. Notes down, pens down, eyes up. It starts with me hearing God's word. Then I choose to learn more about him and his word. Which then leads me to fear the God of the Bible because I can't learn more about God without learning that he pays great attention to my life and to my decisions. My earthly decisions bring divine consequences. Therefore, if I know my earthly decisions will bring divine consequences, then I want to live my life according to what he says in his word. Because when I do what he tells me to do in his word, then I can have confidence that I am right with him. And there is no spiritual success outside of being right with God. And on the other hand, when you are right with God, won't you be successful in life? Financially successful? No, 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 no. Don't belittle the grace of God. I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about grace. Grace spends a lot better in this life. I have reached points in my life where money would not do a thing for me. But the grace of God saw me through. I have reached points in this life where friends and anything on this earth could do nothing for me. But the grace of God showed me, uh, saw me through. That is what I'm talking about. That is success. No wonder so many people live without spiritual success in their life. Because they know what they're supposed to do and they refuse to do it. No matter so many people do not have the blessings of God in their life. They refuse to do what God's word tells them to do. The Bible says, be ye angry and sin not. People lose their temper all the time. The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of ourselves together. People choose to stay home from church all the time. That's your choice. But don't expect to be spiritually successful. Why does pastor always preach on giving and tithing and being faithful in church? Aren't I supposed to watch for your soul? Aren't I supposed to tell you how you can be spiritually success successful? Don't you wish to be? Well, the Bible says be in church. When you're not in church, that's your choice. But don't expect it to bring spiritual success. The Bible says, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And yet people fill their bodies with and use their bodies for things that only bring pleasure to themselves. And not to the Lord. The Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. But people say, no, I'm afraid. I'm not going to do that. What if I mess it up? No, 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 no. God's word tells you to do it, so if you do it, you will be successful. Anybody who says, Lord, use me as a soul winner, he'll, he'll, he'll do it. He will use you as a soul winner. The Bible says, husbands, love your wives. Many men treat their precious wives with no care or no love. How dare you? How dare I? Whoso findeth a wife findeth a really good thing. Sir, you wouldn't be worth killing if it wasn't for your wife. Better half. Better 99. The Bible says, wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands. That women also adorn themselves in modest apparel with shamefacedness and sobriety. But society says... 
Submission means inferiority. And modesty means oppression. And silence is a sign of weakness. So instead, we have women today screaming, I am woman! Hear me roar. I promise you, I promise you, our families would be stronger, marriages would last until death, and the world would be a happier place if husbands and wives just simply did what the Bible told them to do. I don't care about Dr. Phil or Dr. Spock or Dr. Pepper. I don't care. I'd rather listen to Dr. Pepper. But people are following man's opinion of the family instead of God. No wonder we're in a mess. When you follow what God's word tells you to do, you will be successful in your family. Children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and thy mother. We have children disrespecting and dishonoring their parents all over the place, whether it's to their face or behind their back. The reason children are so miserable today, miserable, is because parents would rather be their friend than their parent. And children have never been taught. The children have never been taught what the Bible says. We're teaching them about everything else except for what the Bible says because God isn't allowed in our school anymore. And now we're sitting here in Congress. Well, what do we do about the public school system? Drain the swamp and put in a couple Baptist preachers. The Bible says, let your yea be yea, your nay be nay. People live their lives in deceit and dishonesty. The Bible says, bringing all the tithes into the storehouse, and yet people withhold what is rightfully God's. You will not be successful. Have we no fear of the Lord? Do we not realize our earthly decisions bring divine consequences? When our lives go against the Bible, do we expect to be successful? When our doings do match the Bible, how can we not be successful? Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doing, doeth them, I will liken him unto a man that built his house upon a rock. Let the storms of life blow. Let the waves come. When you build your life upon the truth of God's word, you'll stand. You'll stand. If you don't, you'll fall. And for the most part, what breaks my heart is when somebody isn't spiritually successful, it's not because they don't know what to do. It's because they know what to do, but they refuse to do it. Many people who are not, or who are spiritually successful, uh, no, let me take back. Many people who are not spiritually successful, many people who are lacking the blessing of God in their life, know the recipe for success, but they don't follow it. Many people who used to be successful are successful no longer because they've gotten away from it. God doesn't want you to live a life that is unsuccessful for him. God doesn't want you to live a life of misery. God doesn't want you to live a life of cursing and disobedience. That's why he gave us his word, that we may hear, and that we may learn, that we may fear the Lord and do what he tells us to do. It was when God gave this recipe to Joshua he said, this book of the law shall not depart out of their mouth. 
but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do all that is written therein. And then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. I want you to have a successful Christian life. Where are you at in the recipe? You've heard. Do you want to learn more? When you learn more, you will fear him more. You will want to be more like him. You will want to do what he tells you to do. And when you do, you just watch. You just watch what God will do with you. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.